You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, episode 114. So if we just focus on visualizing a dream and accomplishing a dream, we're actually decreasing our, our client's motivation. The next step that we want to make sure that we do as well, that we tag on to that, is to say, imagine yourself taking steps to get there. What hurdles do you think you'll have to overcome and what resources could you pull on to address those? Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Well, hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler. I am so pleased that you're here. You know, each week I feel as though I'm spending time with each of you individually, sharing something that will hopefully light you up a little, light up your day, give you something new to think about, create a new inspiration or perspective. And there is just so many wonderful people willing to come forward and share their expertise and share their experience. It's like a treasure trove that I feel like we open up each week and we spend a little time looking in the treasure box. And I know that it impacts each one of you differently, but I hope in a really positive way. And we're going to do something really special in this episode But before I tell you the specifics about that, I want to give you a little bit of a programming note. This is going to be the last show for 2018. I decided to provide this special show today and then take off next week, as I'm certain that everyone's going to be spending time with their friends and their family over the holidays. I had been contemplating whether to go ahead and wrap up the show for the year with this episode. And then I got word that my mom had a stroke and her prognosis is uncertain. So that solidified it for me. This is going to be our last show for this year so that I can head up to Michigan and see my mom and be with my siblings for the week before Christmas. Now, I'm a huge believer in community and the power of shared thought and prayer So I would welcome any and all prayers and good thoughts and light being sent to my mom, Mary. Thank you very much for that. Before I head north, it was really important to me to go ahead and complete the show that I've been working on, and hopefully it will give all of you food for thought and ways to wrap up your year, hopefully in a positive way way that makes you think about things a little bit differently, or maybe just solidifies some of the things that you already know. But as I was thinking about what do I want to do for this last episode, I thought about the fact that many of you might not know that when I do interviews with our guests for the show, I ask them to answer a bonus question for me, and that happens after the interview. And that bonus question goes to the membership site. So those people who are Star Coach members in the membership site 
get that additional content along with the other things that come with the membership site. Well, I have actually suspended the membership site for the time being because I'm moving platforms. And I got to tell you, I'm so excited about the new platform. It is going to offer so much and I'm way excited to get everything back out there. But obviously, as I mentioned, there's some other things going on, and so it might be delayed a little bit. And with that, I was thinking that a great way to wrap up this year and to give you extra things to think about until our show in 2019 would be to share some of those bonus questions that normally only go to the members and allow you to hear some of those bonus questions. So then... I had that great challenge to pick some of them because I have dozens and dozens of these bonus questions, which adds up to hours and hours of content. And I have content about assessments and about business building and sales tips and beating overwhelm. I mean, you name it, I've got content about it in the bonus material. So I thought, hmm. If I'm going to do this at the end of the year to give this additional value, why don't I focus on things that I believe will move the dial for you a little bit, things that will create positivity and self-care and give you some solid strategy to move your own dials on whatever it is you're working on for 2019. So what you're going to hear as we move through the show today is you're going to hear my question in its entirety. Normally, you're going to hear me say something about bonus question or members only bonus question. And then you're going to hear the guest's answer in its entirety. Now, if any of these clips make you think, ooh, I don't think I heard that person's show or, ooh, I want to hear that person's show again, I will list all of the shows for the guests that are being highlighted in today's show on the resource page at starcoachshow.com. So let's get into it. We are going to begin with two clips or the two bonus questions about areas of study that have exploded in the last couple decades and have had a major impact on the work that we do with clients. So first, we're going to share Anne Betts, as she answers a question about neuroscience. And then Kathleen Stinnett will share some thoughts about positive psychology. Okay, now it's time for our members only bonus question with Anne Betts. And Anne, you have made it your mission to learn more about the human brain. And you are, you know, kind of the go-to person for neuroscience and coaching, in my opinion, and we're all allowed to have one. So how has this learning neuroscience and making it just a part of your mission, how has it impacted your coaching? It's such a, such a great question because it, it profoundly has impacted my coaching. And then we teach this. And so I see it with the hundreds of coaches that have been through our training program as well. I think it's an interesting thing. So the first thing that I would say is, and this is interesting as we were talking about naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. So the paradox is I hold my clients naturally creative, resourceful, and whole, but the neuroscience 
understanding has allowed me to have a hypothesis, not a diagnosis, Mm -hmm. about what might be going on. So if I have a client who is, for example, coming in and they are all over the place, they're spinning like like the tornado in the Wizard of Oz, everything's random and I can't even get them to focus. What I actually know is that right now in this situation, their right hemisphere of the brain which can go to chaos when it's overactivated, is probably activated. That's my hypothesis. It's okay. not a diagnosis. It's not who no. they are. But when you have that hypothesis, then how, how do you then take it forward? It tells me what I need to do to move them forward. So what I need to do is I need to balance them out. So for example, and I'll give you the whole spiel because it's kind of interesting. So if I've got someone in chaos and they're spinning and they're all over the place, they do not need more right brain work. And right brain work would be vision and values and, you know, community and oneness. And it's this holistic kind of big picture thing. They don't need more of that. That's going to put them in more chaos. If I start saying, well, what's your vision and all of that? It's like, ah, I want to do everything. I'm, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. What I need to do with somebody like that in that moment for that coaching session, I actually need to say, okay, hold on a minute. Let's focus. I need to do left brain. What are, okay, so hold on. I got it. Lots of stuff all over the place. Let's actually write down maybe what are the top three things you're concerned about right now? And what's one thing you can do in each area? Can you even feel as I say that how you're going kind of? Yes, I am. I'm feeling my cyclone get down to, yes. Yep. More cyclone, more energy, more possibility doesn't help anything. It's like more air. They're already too airy. So we got to focus. Now that's not for all time. This is why it's not a diagnosis. It's just in this moment. Right. Um, I had to stop the spinning. Exactly. I had a client who, you know, artist and super creative and wanted to, you know, be more, bring more of herself out there. But she was so all over the place that I literally, this was in person. I sat down with a spreadsheet with her. I've only done that once in my whole coaching career, I think. And was like, okay, how much do you charge? How much is your, is your monthly expenses? She didn't know. And that's why she was in chaos. And we put it on a spreadsheet. We put this cyclone on a spreadsheet and then she could go, oh, okay. So I need to have a goal of doing four healing sessions every month and selling three paintings that I can deal with. Fascinating. Very fascinating. I'll just, should should I give you the other side real quick? Oh yeah. I'll take whatever you give me. Yeah. So the other side of the matter, so that's what you do with the chaotic people. The other side, so so that's the right brain overwhelming. Overload, yeah. yeah. Overload, exactly, chaos. The left brain overload is rigidity. So one brain is very, one side of the brain is very, very open. One side is much more closed. There's a value to each because what we did is we used the positive nature of rigidity, which is structure to balance the chaos. Now, rigidity, they're, I know when they're rigid and they come in, you know, I might not even see them in person, but you can hear it in their voice. No, I'm not going to take this anymore. And I can't believe those people did that. And, you know, like this isn't, you know, they're blamey, they're angry, they're, you know, sort of, or they're overly focused. They're shooting all over everywhere. Yes. Yeah. They're looking for where can I, and they're wanting to control. I remember a client said to me once, someone took the iPad home. And so now we're going to have, nobody takes any, like nobody takes any electronics we're a little black and white in our thinking. Totally. Okay. Totally. So they don't need a to-do list. They don't. <laughs> no, no, no. no, they need more air. They you don't need to pry that iPad out of their dead fingers. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They don't need more 
what are you going to do? When are you going to do it? All of that. They actually need to take a breath and they need to, they need, they need questions like, hold on a minute. What values are, might be important to you here? Now, usually not the first question, but it can be a useful question if you can get them a little more open to say, what might be the other person's perspective on this? These are, these are right brain questions. Empathy is a right brain function, values, purpose. What's the bigger picture here? What's the holistic view of this? What do you really want? What kind of leader do you want? I love to ask this. Okay, I so get it. God, yes, and empathy and meet them. What kind of leader do you want to be? And you know what? Nobody ever says, I want to be a jerk. No. Well, I want to be effective. Okay, what do you want in terms of how do you want to come across? Even those questions, those are more being questions. Mm -hmm. And it'll, do you feel how that also- Oh, I did. I'm like, my whole Ah. thing has been opening over this last, first I was in the whole- cyclone with you over there. And now I'm all like opened up an airy over here. Yes. Yeah. So we've got to, you know, it's sort of understanding. And I think before coaching, and that's just one example, there are many others, many, many others, but that's one example of before neuroscience, I knew that values were a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I knew that to-do lists were a good thing, but I didn't know that this person who was rigid didn't need a to-do list. And that this person who was chaotic didn't need more values, not in that moment. Right. And that what I needed to do was bring them back to center where they could experience themselves as more creative and resourceful. Oh, that is so good. Oh, that is so good. Sign me up for your next Oh, good. (laughs) Thanks thanks again. That is so impactful. I know that the members are just going to be like, oh my gosh, like big eyes pop on that one. So thank you. Thank you. This was just so fun talking to you. Now it's time for our members only bonus question with Kathleen Stinnett. And Kathleen, in addition to the great interview you just did on creativity in coaching, I know that you also are certified in positive psychology. So is positive psychology really about, you know, staying optimistic and looking at the glass half full? How do you sort of describe the whole concept of positive psychology? It's a great question because the language and the terminology positive psychology implies it's about being positive. And this is where I think the language is a little bit misleading. This isn't about, I've heard the phrase, it's not about happyology, you know, just being happy all the time. And in fact, there's some studies that show that the more people pursue happiness, especially in Western culture, the more depressed they are. Because if my pursuit is to be happy all the time, every time I'm not hitting that goal, then I say, what's wrong with me? And I have more reasons to beat myself up. So if I were to say what positive psychology is, it really is about seeing accurately. Because if I can see my world accurately, I actually have more informed choices to be able to make. And so let me just give you an example and a technique that I often use. Oh, good. Clients worry about things. Now, if I were coming from happyology and taking a cheerleading approach, I'd say, oh, don't worry. It'll be okay. And in fact, it may not be okay. Absolutely. Things happen for people. Mm -hmm. But I want to see that accurately because if I can name what accurately may happen, I have more resilient and probably informed choices of how to approach it. Mm -hmm. So if a client is worried about something, I might say, well, and we probably know this technique, what's the worst case scenario? Mm -hmm. 
But here's what I would add to it. What's the worst case scenario? And really have them, you know, describe fully that scenario. The question to ask then is what is the probability that will happen? And in all the the years I've used this technique, usually the probability is less than 5%. However, sometimes it's much higher. So I was working with a client and I said, worst case scenario, she said, I'll be fired. I'll be out on the street. I'm the primary breadwinner. I won't be able to get a job. I'm older. And I said, what is the probability that will happen? And she said, it's probably 50%. And I actually, knowing what I know about her world, that may, it felt a little high. It's probably not 50% probability, but it's way higher than 5%. And so that gives you the chance to look at kind of what your situation is accurately and then be able to plan and work with it. So that's just part of it. And if I were to give you the rest of the technique, it would be then to put the client into the framework of positive emotions, broaden and build using Barbara Fredrickson's term, but to say, so what's the absolute best case that can happen and flesh that out? And what's the probability of that? Again, very slim. Now let's bring it in. What's the most likely scenario and how do we work with that reality? So that's just positive psychology is not being happy all the time. It's really to have more choices based on an accurate perception of our situation. Such helpful information. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being with us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure, Meg. Now, building on the concept that Kathleen shared, Megan McDonald gave us more to think about as we partner with our clients to help them reach their dreams. So Megan, it's time for our bonus question. And I would like to know what should we be aware of as coaches if we want to help our clients achieve or reach their dreams? Yeah, at the end of the day, isn't this why a person comes to see you? This isn't working. I'd like to end up here. How do I go from A to B? How do I realize my dreams? Now, they could be very big dreams or very simple dreams, but either way, that's ultimately why they're coming to a coach. And, you know, when we think about realizing our dreams, one thing that science informs us on is this thing about visualization. You know, many times we hear in the self-help community, just visualize what it is that you'd like to accomplish. Really place yourself in that environment. Imagine the smells, the sensations, the feelings. Uh, Who would you be with? Where would you be? And we have clients visualize actually accomplishing their dreams. Now, unfortunately, if we just leave it there, it's not like that that's all bad. But if we just leave it there, we're actually doing them a disservice because the research shows, and this is Gabrielle Utengen from New York, shows that when we just visualize our goals, we actually decrease our motivation to do anything to get there, to reach there. So if we just focus on visualizing a dream and accomplishing a dream, we're actually decreasing our our client's motivation. The next step that we want to make sure that we do as well, that we tag on to that, is to say, imagine yourself taking steps to get there. What hurdles do you think you'll have to overcome and what resources could you pull on to address those so that we're not just setting our clients up with a visual of the dream, but that we're also having them visualize 
the hard work, the effort that they'll have to put in to reach it. That's one. The other thing is, is that when we work with our clients about realizing dreams, we have to understand that we as humans, you know, you're not going to want to hear this. We have a really limited supply of willpower. All of us do. Now we can actually grow our willpower slightly, but at the end of the day, we have a limited amount of willpower. And if we're helping people realize their dreams, we cannot ask them, well, just, you know, engage willpower, be a little stronger, you know, avoid that. We know at the end of the day, for example, our willpower has been used up. So not having that chocolate cake at night is really hard to do. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do as coaches is minimize uh, the way in which willpower is being used throughout the day and instead prioritize positivity so that we're we're actually cranking up the engine in a motivating and powerful way and not using up the valuable limited resource of willpower. Those are the two ways that coaches can help your clients realize dreams. Thank you for that. Great. Gosh, such great stuff. Thank you so, so much. You're so welcome. As we move into the new year, how can we focus on being the best we can be and open up our own possibilities? I asked this of Dr. Jane Gardner for her bonus question. Let's listen to what she had to say. Okay, now it's time for our members-only bonus question with Dr. Jane Gardner. As all of you know who have listened to her interviews, Jane has a divine intelligence process about rewiring the brain and, and is just an expert in neuroscience and quantum physics and how do we can kind of empower ourselves. So one of the things I'd like to ask you is, how might we use meditation to create? Ah, uh, well... In quantum physics, we know that God, let's call God power, occurs between your thoughts, okay? So if, if we know in, in quantum physics that thoughts and light, for instance, come, energy comes in two forms. They come in a particle and in a wave. So whenever you have a thought, you have a particle because it's finite. But if you have unlimited possibilities, you hear that term all along, then your thoughts are in the form of a wave because you haven't picked a thought to think about yet. You're just thinking, wow, I've got this problem, but I could do all of these things that are out there. Once you pick a solution, you've turned energy into a finite particle. But if you keep it in infinite possibilities, you really have all that you need. Kind of a, we think of God as unlimited. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you're meditating, what the goal is, no matter what you're doing, it's to get to that base between thoughts because you want unlimited possibilities. Okay. So when you meditate, take a problem that you have, say you want to make more money or you want to find a job or you want to lose weight, whatever you're trying to do is your goal and have your intention before you meditate, state it clearly. This is what I want. I want an answer to this problem. What should I do in a dilemma? You just state what it is and you may even want to write it down so that Mm -hmm. you're clear. Then in your meditation, I want you to pick one word to meditate on 
And I want you to focus on that one word. It can be peace. It can be love. It would be a, something that you really love, a word that feels good to you. There are actually seven words that are high frequency. And one of them is love. One of them is peace. So why don't you pick one of those? And so in the meditation, you're just seeing that word. And in the meditation, when you see that word, you begin to get very bored with it. You say repetitively, love. You know, your eyes are closed. You say love, love. And you get to a point eventually, maybe 10 minutes of meditation, where you kind of just lose your train of thought and you go to nothingness or allness. And that's where God is. That's where you find your answer. So you know how, Meg, when you're, sometimes you'll have a problem and you'll go take a shower and for some reason, the answer will come to you in the shower. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, yeah. even the, so you take your mind off of it. You go to nothingness or allness and you get the answer. So try this. Just have your problem solved by meditating on it for 10 minutes. Try to go to a re- repetition of some word that takes you to nothingness where you get bored. The idea is to get bored enough that you just kind of lose track of thinking and you go to a space between thoughts where there's unlimited possibilities. And wisdom. Yes. Oh, it's where God is. That's right. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is awesome. And I'm going to start it today. All right. Let me know what happens. I will. Thank you. Yes. Another block to creativity can be when we drive ourselves to be perfect. Louisa Jewell talks about overcoming this drive to perfectionism. Now, gentlemen, even though she focuses on women, I guarantee you that you will gain valuable tips as well as we listen to what Louisa Jewell shared with us. Okay, now it's time for our bonus question with Louisa Jewell. And Louisa, so many times in, I think it may be part of the time that we're in or the, I don't know, but we're kind of faced with perfectionism. Either we want to do things perfectly or our clients want to do things perfectly. And that can be sort of paralyzing. What's your advice for dealing with perfectionism or maybe overcoming perfectionism? Well, you know, perfectionism is a real problem for women. And I've spoken to a lot of researchers who research women in stress. And they they find that this is a topic that, you know, most women struggle with is it's not good enough to just be good at something or mediocre at something. They really need to be perfect. And also what we're finding in the research is that as women, younger women want to be not even good at just a few things, you know, like a few hundred years ago, as long as you had dinner on the table and, you know, the kids were clean and, you know, you had your partner or whatever it was, that, that was kind of manageable. Now, as women, we have so many more domains that we want to be playing in, you know, to have a career, to make our own money, to be a mother, to take care of our homes, to be thin. We seem to have this obsession with wanting to be thin and look like we're 25 when we're 52. And, you know, we're inundated with all of these messages. We want to be leaders in our communities. And it's just too much. You can't, you can't expect 
fact, to be perfect when we have so many domains now we're playing in. So I have an exercise in the book called Peace at Six. And it actually came from a a coaching exercise that I was doing in one of my, when I was becoming a coach and my, the person who was leading the class was interviewing this guy doing a coaching session. And she said, well, you know, where are you at, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, where are you at on this thing? You know, this, Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember what the goal was. He said, I'm at a six. And she said, where do you want to be? And he said, yeah, I'm good with six. Yeah, mm-hmm. good with six. And I was like, what? Don't we always want to be striving for excellence? Don't we always want to be, right? As coaches, we're always like, we want right, to be at right. 10. Don't we want to push it? Yeah, how do we get to the 10? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, and a real light bulb went off that I thought, I can't be 10. I can't be striving for 10. In everything, I'll drive myself crazy. So with peace at six, the whole concept is just choose a few domains in your life that are really important to you that you say, you don't have to be a 10, you don't have to be perfect, but you say, I'm going to put my energy there. I really want to have great relationships with my daughters, you know, so I'm going to put my energy there. I'm going to strive to be really excellent at that. I'm not going to kill myself if I'm perfect. I'm not going to beat myself up if, if I'm not perfect. That's fine, but I'm going to really strive to be excellent in that area. I'm going to strive to be excellent in my career. And on the housework, you know, I'm good with a six or a four. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm fine with that. I don't, my house doesn't need to be perfect, you know? And yeah, I'm going to have that chocolate cake when I go to my friend's house. So, you know, I might not be the skinny mini, you know, and that's okay with me. You know, I don't need to be the little, the skinniest person in the room. You know, I'm okay if I've got some meat on my bones. It's all right, you know? You know, things like that. Like, can you let other things go? Can you lower your standards and say, you know, or when, you know, when people are asking you to do all this volunteer work, just say, you know, I I have to say no. I'm going to say no because it's just too much. And so maybe I might feel like, oh, geez, I'm not contributing to my community. Maybe right now you can't do that. You know, maybe right now you're going through a divorce. And you got to take care of yourself first. You know, whatever it is, you have Mm -hmm. to decide, choose a few places where you really want to put your energy and be excellent and then decide it's okay to be a six in these other places. It's really, really okay. Peace at six. Yes. Excellent. I know that it it really resonated with me. So thanks for that additional piece of wisdom. Thank you, Meg. And finally, as we think about how we want to be moving forward and how we want to show up as our best selves in 2019, let's listen to what Cindy Henson shared with us. All right, now it's time for our members-only bonus question with Cindy Henson. And Cindy has a brand new book, Jungle, A Journey to Peace, Purpose, and Freedom, with seven really key principles to peace, purpose, and freedom. And Cindy, I'm wondering if you could share those seven principles with our members. Absolutely. Thank you, Meg. Yeah, what I've discovered is, boy, the first principle above all is to have fun. If you're not having a good time in your life or in your career or wherever you're choosing to spend your time, I'm just telling you, your energy is going to be drained. It's not going to, you're not going to love your life. You're not going to love what you're doing. So principle number one, tap into your fun quotient. Principle number two, we can get held back by our past issues. And so principle number two is resolve past issues and release your brain power. 
because I believe that we actually use up valuable energy by staying in the past. And I think if we can resolve that, put the past in the past and move on, that actually we're freed up for the future. Mm -hmm. Thirdly, and the third principle is discover what juices you and pursue it. I also believe that there's loads of energy around doing and being who you really are. And whatever it is that really juices you and that you get excited about, man, you need to be doing that. And you can figure out how to make a living at it at some point, but boy, you need to be doing that right now. I agree. And I would also say before you move forward, just because when I read this, I was like, ooh, coaches need to hear this about how they pick their niche too, or how they, what juices you, because that's what differentiates you. And when you can tap into an audience that experiences that energy with you, then, oh, you know, you're that much closer to building a successful business. So when I read that, I was like, yes, that's also what coaches need to do when they, when they build their business. So I'm sorry, I interrupted your flow, but I had to say that. No worries. That's perfect. I love that. The fourth is, I believe that we all, coaches and the clients of coaches, is we need to activate our learning gene. There's, there's learning. And there's like really getting outside of our own wheelhouse and starting to learn things different than or differently than what we have known in the past. We can be very excellent at what we've always done. And yet there's not a lot of juice in doing that over and over and over. So you don't want to get stale. And plus, oh my gosh, the internet is crazy with knowledge and information. So activate your learning genes so that you can push into the future and bring even more value to your clients. Fifth, See your colleagues bigger than they see themselves. So as coaches, that is what we do. We mm-hmm. see them bigger than they're behaving right now sometimes. And, sometimes and, and I don't mean to focus only exclusively on kind of when they're in a rough spot. It, frequently, they're in a great spot. But always seeing them bigger, bigger. And this is what I like to teach clients also, and particularly executives and leaders, is see your employees bigger than they see themselves. Bigger, bigger, bigger. What a gift, Beca- huh? Yes. 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 It is a huge gift. And then principle six is move to action. What I also find, so this whole distinction between back in the day, we used to do all this planning and it took forever to have any kind of product or result. And now in the agile world, particularly in IT, what you start to notice is people can mock something up really quickly and clients can say, yes, I want that. No, I don't want that. So what I'm saying is, boy, let's act more like that on everything we do. Just go, try something, see what happens. We don't have to know it all before we start. As a matter of fact, it doesn't have to be perfect before we start. As a matter of fact, that can actually paralyze us, Mm -hmm. right? Into, into moving. And then last, the seventh principle is choose to be unstoppable. You know, what I know from my own life and the people that I walk, I associate with mm-hmm. and have seen in their own life as they walk their own journey is the people that I admire aren't stopped by obstacles. They just see it like, oh, well, I guess I won't go left then. What about right? What does right look like? And I always wanted to be that person. And because I admired it so much, it's like, how do they do that? And so as time's gone on, I've gotten better and better at how to do that. And that's one of the principles. So the seventh principle, choose to be unstoppable and never give up. Excellent.
You know, I truly enjoyed once again sharing this treasure trove of experience and wisdom and insight, and I hope it impacts all of you as much as it impacts me to learn from others, to hear their perspective, what their wealth of information and experience has brought to them and that they're so willing to share with us. I truly look forward to continuing our journey in 2019 when our first show of the year is going to feature web designer Lucy Horton. And together, we're going to explore the common barriers that we can hit when we're thinking about websites and social media and technology. And then she's going to share some specific tools and solutions that can make us overcome those barriers. So I'm super excited about my interview with Lucy. We had a great time and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you right after the new year. Until then, I wish you all a blessed holiday season and the happiest of new years. This is Meg Rentschler, wishing you the very best for your coaching success. We'll see you in 2019.